Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week's episode comes from the BFI South Bank in London, to which I'm thrilled to say my monthly MK3D shows have now returned at full strength and full capacity. Last week's show, recorded the day after the end of the London Film Festival, was particularly packed, with guests including filmmaker Mike Lee, who's currently the subject of a BFI retrospective. You can hear Mike on next week's Kermit on Film. But this week, you'll hear from director Pablo Larraín talking about his new Lady Dive film, Spencer, and Bertie Carvel, who plays Banco in Joel Cohen's new screen adaptation of Macbeth. But we start with journalist and host of the Girls on Film podcast, Anna Smith, rounding up her personal highlights from the London Film Festival. So sit back and take a front row seat at MK3D, live at the BFI South Bank. I heard, I heard, can you hear me? I heard what sounded like a whoop there, and I kind of enjoyed it. So it's really nice to be back again here amongst people. So I'm going to ask you to do that again because it was really good for me. So here we go. And. Uh, and... Uh, it's lovely to see everybody here. Uh, and uh, welcome back. Uh, this is, I think, the first capacity MK3D that we've done in. How long has it been? Ten years. Ten years, yes. A very, very long time. Now, usually we would start off with doing uh, Ask the Audience. Here's the thing. We've got an insanely packed show tonight, so I'm going to plough straight on because we've got an awful lot of stuff to get through. That's terrible. That makes it sound like it's kind of an endurance test. Believe me, there's, there's so much stuff going on because, as you probably know, the London Film Festival just finished last night. And so there's some London Film Festival business and we've got a bunch of great guests and we're all just very excited to be back in the, you know, back in in BFI South Bank in, in Screen 1. So, I want to start by introducing to the stage somebody who's been uh, here at MK3D many times before, one of my favourite film critics, one of the preeminent film critics, uh, Anna Smith, to talk about the highlights of the London Film Festival. Please welcome to the stage, Anna Smith. Hello. Hello. I feel that they have socially distanced us in a very great way. Anna, how are you? I'm really well. I'm still buzzing from London Film Festival. So, so, okay, so how was it? It was fantastic. You know, as you were saying, it's wonderful to be back in a cinema, in a room with all the people, you know, lots of excitement in the air. 
And for me, it felt like a very special year. Not only were there lots of great films, I won't be able to talk about all of them, but okay. there were many great films. But also the atmosphere of being with a big crowd in the audience. And one great example of that was actually a TV show, which was Succession. So they had the series three premiere of Succession, um, which, as you know, is a very popular TV show. And I was not prepared for how into it the crowd there was going to be. The whooping, the cheering. You know, you're normally used to sitting at home, you know, with your partner or your family watching TV or on your own. And then in suddenly, you know, 2,500 people in the Royal Festival Hall. That was an amazing experience. Yeah. I have to say, Succession is one of the very few, because as everyone knows, I'm very late to television. I think it's going to catch on. I, I, hear, I, I hear good things about it. I, I interviewed Brian Cox for, for The Observer, and I, I, Brian and my paths have crossed a few times over the years. And, um, and he told me this story. He said, he said, have I ever told you my, my, my favourite theatrical experience? I said, I'm sure I'd remember. He said, I went to the theatre. I was, going to, I was seeing um, uh, Arcadia. And he said, I went in, and there were these two, two women sat down. I sat down next to them. And he said, and what happened was the curtain went up, and one of them went <laughs> He said, and then half time, the curtains closed. She woke up. She went, Dorothy, I think it's time for a drink. And they went out to the thing. <laughs> said, they came back in after the thing. Curtains opened. <laughs> went to sleep. He said, at the end, the curtains came down. She woke up, and she went, Dorothy, that's what I call a fabulous afternoon in the theatre. And he said, that was his <laughs> favourite theatre experience. Well, no one was sleeping during succession, I can tell you that. Right. And um, I also saw some VR, um, this thing called LFF Expanded, a strand that some of you may have been to, and you sort of go and experience lots of different kind of immersive experiences. And one of the best things there was Laika, so Asif Kapadia's short film is like 15 minutes. Um, it's an animation, but it's about the first dog in space. So it's sort of a documentary as well. Yeah. One of the reasons I love this is it's kind of about a woman's relationship with a female dog. So it's the, the trainer um, and her, Laika. And as you know, I'm very invested in female stories. And I'm also a judge on the Palm Dog Awards in Cannes, uh, which is the awards for the best yeah. canine. So this ticked a lot of boxes for me. Uh, you know, and, as I'm always Did going they on sit down and go, should we make this film for Anna? <laughs> yeah. It's got that. And yeah, OK, so because, you know, animals have genders. And so often it's about man's best friend, the, the male dog. So I liked Laika. And as you know, on Girls on Film, we're always talking about these sort of things. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I, I really want to see Laika. I am a very, I am very much a dog person. The palm dog thing is really interesting because I remember the year that the dog from The Artist won it. Are there any other standout dogs that I should have known about? Because I haven't been oh. to Cannes for a very long time. I'm trying to remember the names. Um, Uggy was only was oh, one of Uggy. few that actually came because normally, for obvious reasons, the dogs aren't there in Cannes. Yeah, because but, they're sensible. <laughs> yeah, but this year we, we generally get stand-ins. But Tilda Swinton came this year to accept on behalf of the Souvenir Part 2, so that was great, and the Spaniels. Um, but yeah, Girls on Film, Feminist Film Podcast, we talk a lot about representation as well as you know really interesting, complex female characters. So the opening film of London Film Festival, The Harder They Fall, was very interesting to me because this is a black British director and he's made a story featuring true characters from history and kind of meshing them in this fictional story, but they're all black cowboys and outlaws. And, you know, in truth, I think it was something like one in four cowboys was black, but we never, you know, were black, but we don't see that yeah, on yeah. screen in most Westerns. So this was a rip-roaring start to the festival. Okay, we have a trailer. Do you, should, do you want to see the trailer for this? Right. I heard Rufus Buck was back. So ain't no rule to ask a friend to travel. You think Destiny's coming to you? My guns go back. I A new day is dawning. Slow. This is on the head of an angel. Seeing so the father dumping the dog about to kill you. Faithful to the end. Bullets with your names, Drew. Cock back, aim, shoot. 
I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, we are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. Jump, motherfucker. She ain't gonna end well for you. Really? Can I ask you a question? Because uh, the director came on the on the Radio Five show and you know did an all singing, all dancing talk up and thing. Is it as much fun as it looks from that trailer? It is a lot of fun. I would say it's slightly overlong, um, but it is. There's a lot of great action and the characters are a lot of fun. It's almost like the kind of set pieces. There's certain ones you think, wow, that is a perfect set piece, um, but it is quite episodic. There's okay. a Tarantino flavour to it, but I think it'll play well on Netflix. So a lot of people are going to be able to see this. Okay, yeah. so it, it's all right for a small screen. Yeah, I mean, it was wonderful to see it on the big screen. But yeah, I think it'll still play well. Okay, yeah. so what else did you enjoy? Well, another Western with a difference, The Power of the Dog. So this is Jane Campion's first film in 12 years, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as a kind of rancher who's very aggressive towards um, his brother's new wife, played by Kirsten Dunst, and also her son, um, who's very feminine, and this kind of threatens his masculinity. So this is a film exploring masculinity. And I also think it's probably her best work since The Piano. Oh, wow. I mean, she's made fans. Every film's been great since then. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's fun. You know, when you feel in safe hands and you think, I'm watching a classic here. Fantastic okay. film. Okay, did it play well at the festival? I believe so. Absolutely. A lot of people have come out saying that it's one of their highlights <coughs> from the gala screening. Okay, so. okay. I always kind of think you go into a Jane Campion movie, your expectations are this high already and so, somehow it, it's, it's almost difficult to live up to but I have heard so many people rave about this movie and say it's absolutely wonderful it doesn't disappoint you don't know which way it's going to go if you haven't read the source novel don't read it yet watch the film because it's amazing okay yeah darker stuff um, well true things I really liked Harry Wycliffe is a tremendous oh, director Harry Wycliffe who made Only You yes exactly which is, fa- which you. is if, you've ne- if you haven't seen Only You correct that the minute you get out of the theatre yes. okay it, Only You is so fabulous so Harry came on episode 25 of Girls on Film talking about Only You and now she's made True Things starring Will- Ruth Wilson and Tom Burke they have a kind of um, enigmatic relationship a mysterious very passionate relationship it's one of those films is it a love story is it a thriller you, again you don't know where it's going to go but um, she was Harry was shortlisted um, by a panel including myself for the IWC Schaffhausen Award at LFF and she won it yesterday so she's now got bursary and she's going to go on to make more great work so True Things is a major recommendation well I'm really looking for as I said I I loved Only You I thought it was absolutely beautiful and just and and the best ever use of an Elvis Costello song in a film in Only You so (laughs) High praise. What else? So Maggie Gyllenhaal has become a director and she's made a wonderful film called The Lost Daughter starring Olivia Colman. I mean, what a great combination. And Dakota Johnson. And this is another very intense film where you really get to know the characters. You're following them. You, again, you don't know which direction is going to go. I think there's a theme emerging here, but, you know, very strong female stories. And also um, Maggie's coming on the podcast in January, but we've already recorded it. And she was talking about how she captured these little moments that you have privately that no one else really is aware of that you rarely see on screen. Just like when a mother goes into a hotel room on her own, she's rid of the kids, she can finally take a bra off and have a glass of wine. Just little details like that. And it's, yeah, it's a tremendous film. Okay. Um, there is something coming up which I want to hear you talk about because I have such high expectations for it. So, carry on. 
Right, as Mothering Sunday is no, that the one you've got. <laughs> that's not no, I, but I, I know what we're going to get to. But okay, tell me about. Well, Mothering Sunday is is a lovely period drama. I actually saw it first in Cannes, but again, we're talking to the director and the star on Girls on Film, um, and that's just. Josh I'm assuming instantly that everybody here subscribes to the Girls on Film podcast. If you don't, thank you. If you don't, do because not only is it doing something that no other podcast in the UK is doing, it's just rip roaringly good fun to listen to. It's fantastically conversational. And uh, it's a really, really great podcast. It's annoyingly better than the podcast that I do, which, which really gets <laughs> under my skin, but, you know. Not true, but thank you. Um, okay, so I don't need to plug it anymore. You've plugged it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Mothering Sunday is another, yeah, very classy period drama. But what, what's the one you're looking forward to? I want you to about? tell me about Titan. Titan, okay. So Titan is probably the top horror uh, of Canyon. There'll be some wonderful female-focused ones like The Feast and She Will. But Titan, obviously, the Palm Dawn winner that you might have heard of. Um, I reviewed this from Cannes. Um, I think I was one of the first people to break a review, like writing it furiously at one in the morning. It blew my mind. It plays with so many different genres. It's absolutely extraordinary horror, thriller, drama, exploring gender, maternity, everything in between. Fantastic. Okay, okay so we're going to play the trailer. I want to say two things about this. Firstly, when Raw came out, Julie DeCornell came on the show and she was fabulous. And I asked her where her inspiration came from. And she said that when she was seven years old, her parents had left her alone in a room with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That explains a lot. A, a lot. <laughs> and the second thing is that Duncan here, who's doing our, our, our photographs, Duncan was so overwhelmed by Titan and by the, by the sound. You don't, you don't mind me saying this, do you? No, no. That he had to leave. He actually had to leave because he thought he was going to pass out. And as soon as I hear that a film's made someone nearly pass out, I am just, I am desperate. The be one of the best theatrical experiences I ever had was carrying somebody out of Gaspar Noé's Irreversible because they fainted in the seat in front of me and the whole screening became so much more exciting. So, would you like to see the trailer? Yes. There we go, okay, here we go. <laughs> Put your fingers in your ears. I'm sorry, I'm so excited about it. And also because there's been so many great horror films. I mean, is it a horror film? It's slightly a horror film. There are so many different genres here. I mean, she really is a one-off, as you say. And I think it begins as a horror, and there are definitely horror elements, but then it goes into lots of other genres. It would almost be spoilerific to detail. But what I love about it is that it can be so many different things at different times. You know, it really, really takes you on a journey. And it's shocking, it's visceral. I did squirm in my seat, but I absolutely loved it, though. And we've, I mean, we've had a number of films like, you know, Relic, 
and uh, well, Babadook a while ago and St. Maud, and suddenly this a kind of a, a great flourishing of these really dark, I mean, what I would think of as horror films, written and directed by women that are just, you know, that are finding an audience and are really pushing the, you know, the, the boundaries of horror. I think, I think we're in a, a real golden age of that. Definitely. We'd be covering a lot of horror films like Censor, as you have, I know, as well. Love and, Censor. you know, they're, they've been fantastic female-focused horror movies. So it's a great time for horror in general, but also, I think, in terms of female directors and female centered stories. So it's fine. Okay. So what else? Is there anything else that you need to flag up that I haven't mentioned? You have mentioned everything. Can I, can I ask, to, to give you a recommendation, something which I think yes. you haven't seen is, did anybody here see Mass? Did you think it was just astonishing? So I know that I go on about Jason Isaacs a lot, and I get, no, 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 no. But seriously, here's the thing. I know it kind of becomes like a joke because I love Jason Isaacs. Mass is, is just unbelievable. And the story is four parents meeting in a church after a school shooting. And it's literally like a, you could imagine it as a play, but it's a very cinematic piece. And I thought it was just wonderful. And I, if there's any justice at all, come, come awards season, it will, it will feature in it. And I, I thought it was absolutely breathtaking. So, and, so you, you liked it as well? Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, Thank that's you. Good absolutely recommendation. my recommendation. So of all the yeah. stuff that you saw, what was the thing you liked the best? Oh, you know that's such a hard question. I know, that's I'm going to say you. the power of the dog. Power of the dog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a thank you ever so much. Has it, was it a good festival? Overall, was it, a, was, it a, was it a triumph? Yeah, I think so. There was a wonderful atmosphere. Like at the closing night last night, everyone was on a high, I think, because it felt like it was a great success, not just with audiences, but with filmmakers who were just excited to be there, you know? Anna, what was the closing night film? <laughs> oh, it was the Macbeth film, wasn't it? That's great. Yeah. Just hold that thought. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you very much thank to you. Anna <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week, I'm working with John Lewis and Bose to celebrate the launch of the new Bose Smart Soundbar 900. Sound is so important to the emotional experience of watching a film. Take the fantastic Sound of Metal. It's a sonic journey, not just a visual one. I spoke to Nicola Becker, the Oscar-winning sound designer behind it, about how he uses audio to shape our viewing experience. So most of the time when you change sound, it affects the way you, you feel or you look at the picture, you analyze the picture. If you change a picture, you see the picture changing. So depending on the sound you're going to put on the film, you can actually focus on an object, on the light, on the movement. 
most of the time uh, when you see uh, young kids uh, which are very good with sound starting to work with picture they don't get it you know so 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 you have to spend a lot of time saying like look at the picture look at the picture look at the picture it's also a bit like you know magician you know they show something and they do something else you know so so the sound also can can be uh, very useful you know to actually uh, make a make a time cut disappear or, or, or cut disappear uh, Give the illusion that the character is going faster than he is. When I'm working with, with sound and picture, I always try to, to have this multi-layering possibility in my mind, you know, like, 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 uh, all, all the different aspects. As that I think is, it's, it's, it's the language of the film, you know, uh, in fact, and, uh, and how you associate a certain uh, sonic vocabulary to certain uh, picture uh, elements. You can hear how remarkable the sound is in Sound of Metal. Imagine being able to watch it at home if the sound quality in your own home could reproduce that extraordinary soundscape. I, I, I think, you know, uh, also the interesting aspect that music is very codified, it's very clear, the language, uh, storytelling also, the visual language is very clear, but I think the son sonic element and sound in general is less known, is less codified. Yeah. So my idea is not to reinforce the, 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 you know, like the storytelling, but maybe to, to open it to more possibilities. Uh, a lot of people are always try to, to, to make things more clear. Maybe I try to, 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 to do things more, to bring more opacity or more complexity. To put the audience in, in the position where they can question the picture. To truly appreciate Nicola's sound design, you need a sound bar like Bose's Smart Soundbar 900. I've got one at home and the sound quality is brilliant. The Dolby Atmos provides an unparalleled level of immersion for watching films. You can get the Smart Soundbar 900 at johnlewis.com or your local John Lewis store. It's exclusive to John Lewis. You know, it was so seamless, Anna, that it almost felt like we planned that. Um, so the closing night movie last night was, am I allowed to say, there's a whole, there's a whole superstitious thing about this, okay? So, um, shall I, so I shall refer to it as the Scottish play. You know what I mean, right? Okay, so here is the trailer for the closing night film of the Scottish play. So, that was the closing night movie. In the play, for a little bit of it, he's a ghost. We luckily have him here in person. Please welcome Banco's ghost, it's Bertie Carvel.
here's the thing. I wasn't going to make anything about the name thing until we were in the we were in the dressing room, and you were asked, "Are you going to allowed to say the name?" And you said, "Well, I'm not saying it." Francis McDormand has taken to calling it the tragedy, and I I think it's a very wise policy. I was in this play once before, and um, uh, it proved no exception to the the, the play's weird. Um, um, slightly superstitious history with accidents. So I'm taking no chances. So ju just for anyone who's not familiar with this, there is a, a genuine theatrical superstition that somehow the Scottish play... I can't yeah, believe I'm I, actually playing along with this. <laughs> it, I, I, well, it's, it, you're right, it's a theatrical superstition, isn't it? I think there's some sort of role play in that, that we, we like superstitions in the theatre. Um, my Alexander teacher at drama school said that you're not allowed to have uh, real flowers on stage. I just don't know why. Uh, you, you're not allowed to whistle in a theatre. But the which, whistling uh, is to do with people practical, dropping sandbags on your head. That's the idea, because apparently all the stagehands used to be sailors. So uh, if you gave the wrong command, some bit, they, they, uh, this is true, I believe, that they used to control the, the ropes that controlled the enormous, huge amounts of scenery get stored in the flies of theatres. And um, yeah, so that you might give the, inadvertently give the signal to bring in the the flat, and it might flatten you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but so the Scottish play tradition is that uh, I think probably to do with the witchcraft in the play, and the idea is that if you say the name of the Scottish king in a theatre, it's bad luck. Okay, you know his name is said in the play. That's an exception. Oh, okay, fine. So it doesn't count if it's actually in the play. So look, tell us about the experience of the film, because one of the things about the film is it looks extraordinary. It's got, it's kind of, it reminds me of like Carl Dreyer or something. It's got this really kind of expressionist, you know, uh, shadowy set. So tell us about the experience of making the film. We shot it on sound stages in LA. Um, one of the things I love about it is that Joel's found this amazing way to kind of um, honour the both the cinematic and the theatrical traditions of the play and knit them together in a way that feels very unique and fresh. And so a soundstage is basically an enormous aircraft hangar and you can do whatever you like in it, but more often than not, you're trying to hide the fact that it's a set and create something lifelike. And the production design here is, it's entirely convincing and yet um, self-consciously theatrical yeah. so you're aware that you're watching an artifice and it, it, I mean Joel just talks about it as not running away from the plainness of the play okay. um, I think it's beautiful yeah. in terms of that th theatricality I should say you are a two-time Olivier Award winner you won for playing um, for Matilda for playing Miss Trunchbull and, and in Ink for playing for playing Rupert Murdoch Rupert Murdoch so two monsters you for the can price say of his one. name well done that's pretty good so, anything of that that led into the Scottish play? Um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, so, um, do you know, I didn't know, I didn't know that the aesthetic was going to read as so um, beautifully theatrical. Yeah. I mean, it's very finely judged. I don't want to give people the impression that it's somehow... Uh, demonstrative because it isn't it's brilliant film acting by some brilliant film actors um, 
so I didn't know that when we were making it. And but I guess you know, like I've got these amazing eyebrows, and don't normally like talking about the the tricks because you're sort of trying to make it so credible that people aren't going to see the work. But there was something in the fact that I was allowed to get away with these eyebrows that maybe. Um, so I think maybe my theatrical heritage served me well. You, you can't can see them you, just about. You can't fully see them in there, but it, the, the, the eyebrows are remarkable. I mean, they're kind of like sort of explosions of, uh, of hair. But what's, what's strange about it is you notice it the first time and then you stop noticing it. And I think that's good because otherwise you would be distracted by it. But the I think first otherwise they'd have, been, they'd have been cut. And um, I wanted him to look like an Easter Island head. I, I don't know why I started thinking about the eyebrows, and I kind of thought that vision seems to me to be something that's interesting about Banquo. It seemed to me that my pitch to Joel, in any, at any rate, was that he sees the potential for, he sees the writing on the wall. He doesn't want to believe it of his friend, but when he hears this prophecy, his mind jumps to the end of the story. Yeah. And so, um, vision seemed important. I was thinking, like, how can I frame the eyes? And I quite like, I, pl I like playing with that um, palette. I, l I love dressing up, I love making up. Um, I find that I um, uh, released and unlocked often, I'm trying to do less of this, I have to admit, but um, uh, I basically love what they used to be called character acting. And I find that something more truthful is unlocked by putting on a mask of some kind. Yeah. So it's always, always trying to find out like what is that mask without it getting in the way. And oddly, I sort of thought, surely these eyebrows are gonna, um, and they, they earned their keep. I, I don't know why, I mean, basically we looked at them and they look great, so, um, <laughs> but. Um, that thing about character acting though is fascinating to me because in America, when they say character acting, they mean cameo. We're well, here when we say character, we mean acting. You mean like not like Tom Cruise a is a star, right. right? But character acting is somebody who doesn't look like the same. But you know, well, we just call that acting, surely. It's a, it's a totally specious distinction. I think you're totally right. And they, they used to spotlight the casting directory. Used to have when they still had paper directories. You had leading actors and character actors, and you literally had to choose which directory to put yourself in, which is appalling, actually. And yeah, I think there's a snobbery about the idea that. Um, you know, maybe there's a certain kind of film acting that came out of the actor's studio and all of that stuff where, I don't know if that's even fair, but you know, this, this idea of um, uh, a drama school, like you get really, I, I got really bound up thinking that, you, you know, one was always doing too much and that sort of somehow doing any acting was bad, which is nonsense, right? And uh, the whole point of art is that you are, presenting something that's somehow more real than the real. It's, it, it, it can't be any more real than the real thing. You're trying to uh, paint a picture of it because you're trying to change the way people look at something. And so uh, acting is great. And um, slightly losing my thread, but um, yeah, I think character acting is great. I have to say, though, like also there's amazing power in doing or in doing less or, or in simplifying. And what was great about working with Joel and Denzel and Fran and this gang was um, their instinct for simplicity and, and for taking things away, which is, you know, like always a good thing. And what's 
what's coming up, what's next for you now? I mean, obviously, you know, hero of stage and screen, what do you do? Where are we going to see you next? I've got a TV show about to broadcast called Dalgleish, based on P.D. James Dalgleish novels uh, about this are. inscrutable... Um, yeah, he's a great character. I had a lot of fun. So that was uh, an outing for me, trying to... to. So he's described... You know, you, you get in the script, it says, Adam Dalgleish, brackets, 40, and then some epithet. And um, in this case, it's often unscru- inscrutable. I thought, how wonderful to have <laughs> a leading role... In, who's described as inscrutable, an invitation to be drawn in to think that, I mean, inscrutable doesn't mean there's nothing going on. It means there's lots going on, and it's not entirely apparent what that is. And I was really excited by the challenge of doing that. So still waters run deep, and um, I hope that's an outing in doing less, but feeling a lot. And, um, so stage or screen for you primarily? Ever? No, I mean, just in general, do you have a kind of... Because, you know, some people come from the, st- from the stage and they think it will always be the stage first. Brian Cox, for example, was saying he comes from the stage, that's his, that will always be his first love. I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's the same job, really. I mean, the stage is great because it's nice to have an audience. It's nice to feel... It's so much more... Um, the thing about being on stage, I think, as an actor, is you're, you're the delivery mechanism. And so everything passes through you in that moment of performance, which is... Uh, whereas filmmaking can be quite alienating because ultimately you ultimately are a tool of the filmmaker which is not you and um, I think there's some kind of release in that and um, creativity I think the exhilaration of being in, in I suppose figuratively in the spotlight you know at the sharp end of delivery is is a kind of drug but, um, you know, you can do things to a camera that you just c- kind of can't to the person in the back row. And if you're not serving the person in the back row, then you're not doing your job in the theatre. So. Well, congratulations on the Scottish play. I'm, I literally haven't said it, and I'm now not going to. And that really, really... It's, it's called Macbeth, for God's sake, right? <laughs> I wish you every success. I know you have to fly because you're off to another high power. Get out of here because you just said it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all of them done. Thank you so much for coming on. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's a, it's a really weird one as well because I am fantastically superstitious, um, like really madly superstitious. But I just, I yeah, I, I had to get over that. Yeah, I had to get over doing that. Macbeth, 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 Macbeth. Yeah, everyone's still fine. Yeah, somebody went, ooh, it's not real. It's a superstition. You know, if you walk under a ladder, it doesn't do anything. You know the thing when you, you read the thing to everyone who's a Cancerian is going to go on a journey? No, they're not. Some of them are in prison. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right, I'm glad I got that out of my system. Um, so today uh, I saw a really, really great film that played uh, at the LFF. The director was going to be at the LFF, but unfortunately wasn't able to be there. Here is the trailer for Spencer, which is terrific. Do you want to be the queen? I'll be your mum. Yeah, in this house, there is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. You have to be able to do things you hate. That you hate? There has to be two of you. There's the real one and the one they take pictures of. Diana, 
for the good of the country. Of the country. You know, I really like things that are simple, ordinary, or things that are real. There's no hope for me. Not with them. Fight them. Fight them. You are your own weapon. So, so here's the thing. So the film is brilliantly directed by, I'm going to say this correctly, Pablo Larraín, who has made films like Tony Monero, Jackie, Emma, No. Um, and he was to be here uh, at the LFF, but unfortunately, because of everything that's been happening with lockdown, he wasn't able to be there. Their loss is our gain because he is here now. Please welcome Pablo to the stage. tell you how excited I am to have you here. Please, my pleasure. I, I've, I just saw the film this afternoon. I thought it was really powerful. I know that it's played very, very well in festivals around the world. Just tell us a little bit about what somebody should expect from Spencer, because it's very much not perhaps the movie that people would imagine a movie about Diana to be. So how would you describe Spencer? Whoa, I made a movie about it, so I expect that the movie does that, but... Um, no, but I've seen it, but for of people course, who haven't, Of course, of so, course, you know. but I, I think it's a very internal movie. It's from her perspective all the time, and, um, and we dive into her emotions and her psychology, and we understand that eventually in the story that the movie's presenting, what she does is that she goes and recovers her identity that she was a, a woman that had a, a life that was stronger and bigger than her relationship with anyone from the royal family. And she had to protect that. And, and the movie pro pro projects you know, this fable yeah. where she can find herself. And the movie begins, it says, a fairy tale based on a real life tragedy. Am I quoting that it's correctly? A, a fable, a fable from a true tragedy. From a true tragedy. And it's from a script by Stephen Wright, and it plays out over the course of three days, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And we hear Diana say, you know, just got to, basically, I've just got to get through this one day. And then those three days become like a battleground of each day of everything that she has to deal with. And right at the heart of it, and in almost every sort of major shot, is uh, Kristen Stewart, who is just fantastic. Please tell me something about working with her and how you worked on the character. Well, I, I, <clears throat> I, um, it was obviously a, an odd decision to invite an American to do that. Having a Chilean in it was already weird. But, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we, yeah, I, I think that for me, as especially you know, maybe as a foreigner, I see uh, that Diana it's, uh, was a woman that had a lot of mystery. And over the years of research, I you know, the more I learned, the less I really knew. And I think Kristen has that. She can hold an amount of mystery that you, 
you're looking at her, you don't really know what is she was going through. <clears throat> no matter what's the situation, even if she says what she's feeling, there's something that, that needs to be completed by the audience, and that is, that is what cinema has to do. And I, I, and I felt that we found an actress that was very skillful, but very intense and, and, and brilliant. She's just brilliant. I, I just had to say, I mean, I've, I've been a huge fan of hers since the Twilight movies. My daughter loved the Twilight films, and I saw them all, and I absolutely loved them. And I know now people say, oh, you know, critics are finally, finally waking up. But that's not true. Critics have realised how good she is for, for quite a long time. I mean, she is an incredibly accomplished actor. And I think right back to the days of Twilight. Did you, did you, did you see Twilight? <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw them before I made the movie, just to be closer to her. Uh, have a daughter, so she was interested in as well. But Did you like? I, I saw, I saw uh, Personal Shopper. I saw Personal Shopper oh, yeah, well, of course. from uh, Olivia Sayas and Klaus of Silmaria. Yeah. Both are great, great movies. Yeah. Um, and I think she... I, I, had, I'm, he I'm hearing a no here, Pablo. Is <laughs> no, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that. I, it's just so different from the things that I see. It's just from another galaxy. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm I am, I'm a fan of, of what she can do in silence. And when you have an actress that can do that, and then you have a great script like the one that we have from Steve Knight, then things become more possible for me. Um, but yeah, I enjoy them, yeah. Good. Yes. Good. Georgia? Yeah. He's right. Good. Sorry, that's my daughter, just so you know. Sorry, but. <laughs> so what was the... Well, I mean, one of the things that the film deals with, and I think it does this really sensitively, is it deals with, uh, you know, anorexia and the, all the issues that she is dealing with. And it does it in a way which is, it never shies away from it, but we get to understand the pressures. I mean, one of the things I was really aware of was throughout the film, you hear these lists of food kind of being just constantly pumped around it, like she's being tormented by the, you know, by the dishes. And I, I actually found that kind of oppressive. And I thought it was very clever, the way the film made you share her own sense of all this stuff closing in. Well, you know, we all know that an, an eating disorder is usually something that comes after a, a psychological crisis, if, you know, and, and, and or, 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 or after, I don't know, a, a, some sort of a mental crisis. Um, <clears throat> so having the food being repeated over, over us and, and, and the character during the movie, it was just another way to put pressure on her. It's, 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 it's because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the ideas that I think Steve had that, that's related to the will of tradition and, 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 and sort of how things are repeated, which is something very new to me um, because of course, I come from a country where nothing is really repeated. And, and here you have a character that is basically playing a role that is being played for over a thousand years. And she has to you know, be in that situation, play the role for others, and she just doesn't fit in there, which is what I see in Diana. And there is a central line in which she says, here, everything is, forgive me for misquoting, because I only saw it this afternoon, Everything is past and present, and there is no future. And that's past and, past and present are the same thing. Yeah. And there is no future. And there is no future. Right. What does that mean? Because that line really haunted me. That idea that there is. It's no it's it's, uh, it's related to what I, what I think was I was just expressing is that it doesn't matter where you are. 
it just there's no the past and the present are just the same thing. It's like a it's like a one single sensation. It's, it doesn't it, you don't have a feeling that that things have been different, and the present is just as, as like anything that happened before. So your idea of future is more related to your idea of past, and that can be psychologically really really complicated. Can I ask you a really nerdy question? When I heard that, I also heard No Future from God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. Did you hear that? Yes, of course. Okay, fine. No, I'm sorry, but you know, it's, it's, it's quite often that a critic will put... I, I haven't asked that to Steve, but I, it's a good question. I, I, I heard the song many times in my life. When I read it, I was like, whoa, okay. okay. Yeah, it makes sense. So, in your extraordinary filmography, before that, you know, we have Jackie. Um, can I show a clip from Jackie and then can we talk about that a little Please bit? Do. Okay, so this is, I think this is, anyone who's seen Jackie remember this is one of the most powerful scenes with, because, you know, fabulous performance by Natalie Portman and of course the late great John Hurt. So here we go. I think God is cruel. Oh, now you're getting into trouble. God is love. And God is everywhere. Was he in the bullet that killed Jack? Absolutely. Is he inside me now? Yes, of course, of course he is. Well, that's a funny game he plays, hiding all the time. The fact that we don't understand him isn't funny at all. There's a heaven and there's your God, with all these empty promises. What kind of God takes a father from his two little children? Our Lord sacrificed his only son. And my two babies, Arabella in the womb, and Patrick, 39 hours on Earth. Just long enough to fall in love with him. What did I do to deserve that? Do you see any comparison between the two characters, both women trapped within situations that are, you know, machinations larger than, than their own lives? <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think both of them were key women from the 20th century. They were linked to very powerful families, very powerful husbands. But they were both able to find their own identity and do their own thing, I think. And, and I, if Jackie is about memory and, and grief, I think, I think Spencer is more about identity and, you know, and, and, and motherhood, I think. Spencer is about, it's about motherhood. That's what stayed with me. And that's probably the reason why I made the movie, because I want to make a movie that my mom would like. So we'll see. She hasn't seen it yet, but we'll see. <laughs> Are you nervous? I'm nervous because it, I don't. I wouldn't know what would I do if she doesn't like it. I, she, she read some reviews, um, and she said that she asked me why some press was saying that there was a ghost in it. And I'm like, well, it's not really a ghost. Why did you make a movie with horror in it? And it's. <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, it's like, it's, it's, I really want you to like it. Why did you do this? I'm like, Mom, you've been cutting your hair and dressing like Diana for 40 years. <laughs> that is the ghost. <laughs> and so she's going to see it next week, so I'm excited. But one, of the, one of the ways that that element comes through is, is from the score, which is so wonderful. Yeah. And is Johnny Greenwood. In the case of Jackie, it's Mick Levy. I mean, you, you know, th these are composers who can bring out all the anxiety and tensions in scene. Do you work closely with your composers? Very close. Um, and I can, you know, I, I express what I, what I think, what I feel, but in the case of Johnny and Mika, what you have to do 
is to let them work. If you are too over them, I, I, I don't think it would work. I just told them, and, and what they did in both cases is that just starting composing different ideas, and they would, and I got them, and I just tried them in the movie, and and in different places. So it doesn't, they don't work with, what I would never do is to send a scene to a musician and ask them to put music on it. Okay. What they do is just to compose something that they feel is right, and then we just create, <clears throat> you know, a friction with the picture. Yeah. And it's, well, but they're both wonderful, and, and Johnny is just, you know, what, what I, can I say? I really want Johnny Greenwood to win an Oscar because Paul Thomas Anderson said there will be nothing more entertaining than watching the excruciating embarrassment of Johnny Greenwood trying to give an Oscar acceptance speech, so I want him to win just for that. I want to show a clip from one of your earlier films, uh, No, which was a film that I really loved, and it's, uh, it's a film about a political campaign, 1988, correct me if I'm wrong, yes. and it's the plebiscite to vote for whether or not Pinochet... And for ages, I said Pinochet. It, was, it wasn't until Gael Garcia Bernal pointed out to me it's Pinochet. That's correct. Yeah, Pinochet. Been, yeah. Pinochet. Um, should have another uh, period or whether there should be a referendum. And, one, and the thing that you did was you used the visual style of the political advertisements to construct the film. I've just done a long talk that's literally going to lead into the clip. So I, it looked like there was a question coming, but there wasn't. We'll do it after the thing. Okay, so here's the question. Sensas con desganos, con nuestra altiva impaciencia, con una honesta conciencia, con enfado, con sospecha, con activa certidumbre, pongo el pie en mi padre. Here's what I love. Correct me if I'm wrong. That you, what you did was you used the format of the of the old footage that you had, so that you could meld new and old footage together seamlessly. Can you tell me something about that? Yeah, we. W the thing is that 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 movie has <clears throat> a lot of footage from from not just from that year, but from during the dictatorship, and it's about a campaign that happened mostly in, in television. So we tested all kind of formats, and no one was able, you know, it was not possible to really match it well. Yeah. You can always feel that there was, and I really don't like when movies are trying to match the period, but, but they all, always look pretty and beautiful anyway. So we shot with this um, very cheap video system that it was made in the late 70s. It's a U-Matic system. Yeah. It's a square system that has, you know, it's 480p. So it's, I don't know, 30 times lower than your phones in terms of quality. And, but we were able to match it. And, and at some point, we were able to create the illusion that people just didn't know what was footage and what, what was not. Yeah. And yeah, and it was well, great. I thought it worked absolutely brilliantly because I did exactly the same thing about looking at it and think, I don't know what, what of this is archive and I don't know what of it is dramatic reconstruction. And the other thing is, and forgive my ignorance for this, I knew nothing about this political campaign, and I, so I went into the film completely not knowing anything about it, and the film told me the story. I came out thinking that I knew more, but also I found it really dramatically engaging. It never felt polemical, but it felt like a really engaging drama. Did you see it as a drama first or a political work first? <clears throat> we, what we saw is that the story is so weird, so unique, 
Like dictators don't live with a democratic process, right? They're dictators. And for some reason, he accepted to do it. So the referendum was a great idea that very few people knew about it. And so we, we made a movie just trying to focus on the story that was just fascinating. Um, and it, it had many th crazy things happen. One of the fun things is that with the food, the, the type of filming that we did, a lot of people thought that Pinochet in the movie was actually an actor. Oh. Yeah, because he was on television being so kind. And, and no, yeah, we had to explain a lot of things afterwards. He was a character actor. <laughs> yeah, but one of the bad ones. Yeah. yeah, but I thought I, mean, I, I, it I thought it really worked well because because what it managed to do was to be dramatic and to be a story first and foremost. But the but the story is brutal and it's, it's brutal and, and what is fascinating is that in reality Pinochet was kicked out of because by a lot of reasons uh, and it's a very long story. But what we focused it was it was a, on a very specific advertising campaign that was on television and Gael plays the the advertising guy. And what you just saw is actually the moment that someone is presenting to him how to do the campaign. And what he's about to say is that what he says is that if you show how bad it was, we would never win. What we have to do is come back with something that has joy, joy. And, and something that is positive, and that's how we defeated Pinochet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could talk to you all evening. Um, I'm such a fan of, of your movies, and I, I really, really like Diana. I hope that people will get a chance to go and see it. When does it open here in the UK? November 5th. November 5th, okay. Well, congratulations. I mean, I imagine that it's an awards contender you're now in the middle of all. Do awards matter to you? Awards matters when, when you get them, I guess. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm not usually aware of the award situation when, when you know, in regular years. But when you make a movie and people is paying attention, and yeah, awards can become exciting, of course. That's the truth. I have two Sony Awards. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Pablo Larín. Well, there we are. That was the first half of the most recent MK3D show, recorded live at the BFI South Bank. In the second half of the show, on next week's podcast, I'll be joined by Tom Sturton and Tom Palmer, talking about their black comedy, All My Friends Hate Me, and film legend Mike Lee, looking back over a career that includes Nuts in May, Secrets and Lies, Topsy Turvy, and much more. If you like the sound of the MK3D live shows, they happen every month at the BFI South Bank. Go to the BFI website for tickets. If you've enjoyed the podcast, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Keep watching the skies. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.